Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of June 7th. It's officially Dream Week. I know tomorrow we're going to get kicked off our prelims on Thursday night. Uh, big pain race always at Eldora. And now more than ever, it's pretty important to be good at the Big E, guys. Uh, but first, uh, I'm Derek Kessinger alongside my co- or my partners in crime, Robert Holman, Kyle McFadden, and Kevin Kovac. We're not even going to start about the dream, though, first. I was kind of uh, sad that you guys didn't mention in Fast Talk uh, on Friday, Robert. Could be a Roy contender, uh, four-car battle. Easily one of the best finishes I've ever seen at Tri-City with Nick Hoffman, Bobby Pierce, Shirley, and uh, Kyle Bronson. Bronson was able to hold on for the win at a photo finish, but that got the social media buzzing. It got a lot of views on Flow Racing and DirtOnDirt.com, and that was a phenomenal race. It uh, it absolutely absolutely was a dandy. Uh, it was so close that from from my perspective, I had to uh, text my daughter to ask who won. Uh, I was you know I was kind of like down the, the to the left of the front stretch, and, and so they were kind of going away from me, so I couldn't see it right right immediately. And man, it was like I'm like oh hell, who won that race? So I'm texting my daughter was watching it from from her. Uh, from college there in Charleston, you know, and so so I'm texting it to her. And I'm like, who won that race? And so she let me know who won. But I think the finish, I think uh, Bronson won that one by like six one hundredths of a second or something like that. I don't think know if you can blink that fast. Uh, and and the whole thing over the last, which it was, it was high octane is is one of the you know phrases you could use for the how the race went. But then the last what five ten laps it was just crazy the way that you wound up having like you said those four guys all battling for for the win there uh and to see bronson pull it out over his good buddy brian shirley was was pretty cool but yeah i mean right away it was steve francis you know afterwards when i spoke with him he's like that's got to be race of the year it's, everybody wants their race to be race of the year it's awesome when we still, get that quote though from people at the racetrack we want to be roy you know like they're fine yeah i mean every, everybody wants <laughs> yeah everybody wants that you know they, they're like that's that's race of the year and that's definitely a contender you know bobby pierce is like eh, hold up it's still still vado vado is still race of the year uh for for me and of course that's one that he was really involved with in, and of course but uh but yeah for for everybody there that they, they were really excited about that finish uh it, it was it was a, a really really good race throughout you know and that's one of the things that we look for in a race of the year not just the finish but how it was throughout the race and uh and that one was a good a good race overall and then those last five or ten laps for sure uh just elevated it and 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 maybe kicked it into that next level and then of course you have the finish so you have the the it's got a lot of ingredients you know that that we look for when we're judging that race of the year and and so we'll see how it breaks down we have a lot of season we're like how what halfway almost halfway through the season a lot of races left and we know how those races in the in the fall can get you know and the track when the weather's cooling off and and things get really really dicey you know and track conditions are great so uh so let's not put it there yet but we'll say top five so far for sure yeah arguments can be made that it could be roy obviously with the it being the most recent people are gonna have a lot of bias towards it uh 
I mean, the Votto race will definitely be a contender. And then I think the finale at Volusia Speedway Park where, you know, Hudson O'Neill rallied from like 100th place, that will be definitely be up there as well. Uh, Kyle McFadden, uh, just big, big wins, though, for Kyle Bronson that night and then Brian Shirley on Saturday of guys that, you know, committed to a national series this year. Uh, probably needed to probably needed a win before summer because they were running, you know, top tens, but they weren't getting those wins. But if you can get, a, you know, a win in June like that, I think maybe you can carry on to summer. But it was a great World of Outlaw weekend with three different winners. But I just wanted to kind of highlight Brian Shirley and Kyle Bronson. Yeah, for sure. That was actually um, Brian Shirley's win there on Saturday at Paducah was actually that was his first Outlaw win in four years uh, since the Illini 100 prelim night at Farmer City back in 2019. So I think it was 47 outlaw races in between wins for him. So, you know, not only Brian Shirley's first win on the outlaw tour this year, but, you know, first win for him on the tour in four years. So, um, you know, he's been running really good this year and um, he's had some races kind of slip through the cracks, perhaps, you know, Tri-City, that race and that finish, you know, that could have easily gone his way too. you know, matter of feet. And, um, and then as for Kyle Bronson, you know, he's really up the ante too as well this year. And, and so, uh, you know, those two guys were certainly, I'd have to say, you know, Nick Hoffman, um, you know, he picked up that first uh, victory at Wheatsport, um, his first outlaw win last week. And, um, I'd have to say after Nick Hoffman on that law tour, you know, two uh, drivers that would be due um, for their next wins, you'd probably have to say Kyle Bronson and Brian Shirley both. And, you know, they both delivered uh, on pack to pack nights. And so, um, yeah, it uh, just adds there to the mix and the outlaw race. I think there's what, like six drivers that are, seven you know all the way back to brandon shepherd who is seventh i believe in the outlaw standings you know so you you got seven you know title contenders at the top there in the outlaw standings uh you know just off the first glance so uh it it just adds there to the overall bigger picture as we you know head into the summer here so exciting weekend for sure uh bobby pierce could easily um, you know, walked away with another victory there on Saturday at Paducah if it wasn't for that flat tire. But uh, Brian Shirley did what he needed to do and, uh, you know, paid paid off for him big time. Yeah, big uh, big wins for those guys. And it's, pre- it's pretty exciting uh, when you have just, you know, four or five guys duking it out there. I think Chris Madden kind of Halfway through that race at Paducah, he's probably thinking, man, Bobby's going to catch up to me again. But then, of course, he had that flat tire demise, and Chris Madden was uh, finished with the podium finish. So he felt pretty good probably leaving Paducah. He's like, man, we kind of got lucky there and survived it. Uh, Kevin Kovac, great w- weekend on the Woo side. Uh, it just seems like Rick Schwally, I mean, he had that great article on him. I mean, he's he's trying to stay positive. He's trying to stay confident. Uh, they had that 50 grand show there at West Virginia Motor. I know you were there. We were kind of texting throughout the night. You're saying, hey, it's raining here. They might postpone it. And then just a week earlier, you had that thing with Ricky Thornton Jr., man. Like, how do we get Rick Swally's spirits up? Because, you know, they're trying very hard. They're putting a lot of money out there. But, I mean, just sometimes he's been doing it for a long time. He even said, like, you just can't get down too down because, you know, 
stuff can happen like this. But it just seems like they need to get a big time shot in their arm here coming up post dream. Yeah, well, it's like, uh, you know, race teams and drivers, they have their bad moments, you know, their bad times and their frustrations and they and they want to, you know, and they're not feeling good about things, how things are going. And same thing with uh, with officials, too. I mean, the officials, they it, it's I, I know there's all these people out there that'll probably be they're always like, oh, they had the officials, they, you know, they, they wanted to throw that guy out. But guess what? That's not hard. I mean, unless they're a robot. Uh, for an official to throw a guy out, you know, or penalize him from a win, uh, take a win away from him like that. Show me 100 with Ricky Thornton Jr. with, uh, you know, Schwally had to make that call. And it, it, it's not easy. Like he says, it sticks with you for the rest of the week until you get to the next racetrack. And, and, and then he gets to the next racetrack and he and it was not a smooth weekend at West Virginia. Remember, West Virginia hadn't raced all year. It's first time uh, they got race cars on that racetrack. Um, been a dry, very dry, uh, month for them. I believe it or not, like so many places, there's been so many rainouts this year, but in this little stretch, especially over there, West Virginia hasn't been that much rain. Um, big place too, to be able to have to work on that racetrack. And if you, you know, and, and water, it's a lot of, a lot of racetrack area to water and, and work on. And, and it came up dusty right off the bat on a 90 degree day on Friday. And, Drivers were complaining about it right, you know, right from the start. You could you could see the dust just kind of floating across the racetrack. It just would not. You almost needed a, a street sweeper out there. It seemed like to to knock that dirt away because it it just it just was there and they, they were throwing huge rooster tails and they're going so fast at West Virginia. Uh, you you can't and and the and the lighting isn't. It's not must go lighting there. Uh, when that dust kind of settles there and early in the night when the sun is setting down on turn three, it makes it difficult for vision, uh, makes it unsafe could be too, if, uh, if, uh, for the driver. So, uh, they had to, you know, work around that. They were able to get through the third, the Friday show. They did some watering before the race. And then Saturday was, I mean, you wake up Saturday morning. It looks like it's going to be a great day weather wise. And then it said, ah, maybe there's a little bit of a chance of a, isolated thunderstorm later and the next thing you know like late in the afternoon it's saying like from 7 to 10 p.m looking at like a uh, you know 80 to 90 percent chance of rain right at race time too they had hot laps dusty again they go out of there and drivers complaining and then you couldn't send guys out on the racetrack when they were kind of complaining about the dust and you could there was black clouds and lightning all around it looked like it was going to rain at any second you couldn't have guys on that racetrack um you know, when the possibility of rain coming in. So everything was held up. And then finally, right before feature time, when they finally were able to, you know, get the heats in and stuff, then un, uh, another thunderstorm, which wasn't really predicted at eight o'clock, it said it would be fine after that. Suddenly that pops up and, and knocks it out. But talk about frustration for everybody. Rick Schwally, the drivers, Cody Watson, the promoter there at uh, West Virginia. Uh, Do they say anything about a makeup? Because they had it. Was the field set all the way, or what are they going to do there, Kovac? Everything. I mean, there were, like, again, I mean, there's one um, one note to make also. Field was down from last year. They had about 32 last year. Uh, only had 25 on Friday uh, and 26 on Saturday. And, I mean, it's just it, people, drivers, teams, just it's not showing that they want to, in good big numbers, want to go run that big racetrack. Uh, and they did get their races, and they didn't have any B-Main on Saturday. So they got the heat races in feature was all lined up. I mean, fall set to go. They weren't lined up yet. They were getting ready to go in the line uh, when that rain finally hit. Uh, and then they waited about an hour, I guess, to see what would happen. And it was, you know, 
what was it going was it going to happen on saturday drivers didn't nobody really wanted to run sunday either they don't want to take into that they want to be able to run that um uh they want to get ready for eldora uh so they're going to find another date they haven't made up one yet but there is a couple of times i mean all you do is run that feature uh um, so maybe I mean, they're, they're going to be in the area. They're going to be there for the area when the hillbilly runs at Tyler County back in, you know, back in, uh, you know, when we get to the Labor Day weekend, there's also Lernerville, Muskegon that week, those two straight weekends, uh, end of July and beginning, uh, end of June and beginning of July. Maybe they put it in there, but not, no announcement as of Tuesday about when they're going to run that. Yeah, I'm here at the shop here. The air conditioner kicked on. Man, that thing's loud. I'm going to have to turn that down here after I, uh, you know, go on from the topic. But uh, never fear, Rick Schwally. You got some great races ahead here post uh, post Dirt Late Model Dream. You got Smoky Mountain for 50 grand, Lernerville for 50 grand. Uh, then you got Muskegon, uh, Deer Creek for 50. Then you go to Davenport. Then you go to Hussitz. And then you go to Florence and Batesville. So I feel like there's going to be some good days ahead. For Rick Schwally and the Lucas Oil Label. And Lernerville, right, Derek? I mean, that's where I you, were, you are very loved. Derek Kessinger is loved at Lernerville, so I love you're headed place. there, right? You're coming. Yeah, you're the, coming, right? Yeah, the firecracker. Uh, we'll, we'll go to Sheets and hang out, and then we can watch the concert yes. afterwards, as long as my dad, Kovac, of yep. PA, lets me go. Yep. Uh, anyway, as I mentioned at the top of the show, and if unless you're living under a rock, it's the Dirt Late Model Dream at Eldora. Uh, you know, it's like the first original big pain race, you know, that paid six figures. Uh, we had like 75 cars pre-registered around there, but you know, we're back to the original dream format guys, only three days, which is very exciting. Last few years we've been there four days and it seems like it just kind of just takes forever. But I wanted to do today's topic with kind of like when you were a Eldora virgin, you never been there before you're popping your cherry for the first time. What was just. What was it like maybe beforehand? What, you know, Robert, before you went there, what was your like, what did you hear about Eldor? What was like the stuff you heard about it? Like did some drivers in your area go up there for the big races? Or you kind of just, you know, had to just read the newspapers or how did you kind of hear Eldora for the first time? Really, uh, the only thing I knew about, you know, Eldora from, you know, before I went, I, I got all my information from the trade publication called the Racing News there uh came out of out of north south carolina north carolina somewhere and you know nobody from from you know nobody that i actually knew uh nobody really went up there uh it was the only person i knew of was scott bloomquist and i've i'd known you know obviously jeff purvis uh in the in the early early part but i'm talking people that I knew as maybe Purvis and Bloomquist were really like the only two. And so like when Purvis was, you know, winning, uh, you know, winning his races up there, I was like 15, 16 years old. So of course, you know, Purvis being a, a guy who came and raced where we raced, he was about the only one. So of course I knew of the race itself, but then, um, you know, it was not really until, I think Scott Bloomquist won when he won there in, in, uh, 88, he came to Winchester in 89. So let's see, he would have won the world 188. He came to Winchester in 89 and I bought a t-shirt from him that like had, had pink writing and stuff on the back and had his car. And it said like, 
1988 World 100 winner and stuff like that on it. So, uh, so if you knew of those two guys, Purvis and Bloomquist, because I mean they they the best at the time, and uh, all the information though. I remember reading the stories from the racing news. I didn't really, I'd never spoken to anybody that I know of that had ever been up there, you know? So that's kind of how, how I, I just knew of it from reading about it. You know, that's no different than anyone else, I guess now that hasn't been would, would know about it from getting their social media or, or, you know, reading about it on our website, maybe, or, or, you know, stuff like that. Kyle McFadden, I would safe to say you probably didn't read yours in the newspaper about Eldora Speedway and stuff like that. You probably, you know, had the internet at that time. You're a little bit younger than all of us. So uh, you obviously you were in the sprint car world. So they had the, you know, the Kings Royal, but just kind of like how you got first introduced to Eldora Speedway before we get to your first time ever there. I was introduced actually to Eldora through the prelude to the dream, you know, way back when as a kid, you know, I remember, you know, popping on the stream and, and just being so excited to watch, you know, cause like I grew up a huge NASCAR fan and a dirt late model fan, just like going to Hagerstown Speedway every other Saturday night, it seemed of my childhood. So, and that was really the one racetrack that I went to. I never really went out of the state or outside of Hagerstown in Maryland. So, but I followed NASCAR, you know, a lot too. So like the prelude of the dream was, was, was awesome for me, just like as a kid. And that was, that was how I was introduced to Eldora and the history and what that track means to, to really, um, you know, dirt racers and, and dirt track racing across the world. And so, um, you know, I just remember that and um and just how prestigious and and what the prelude to the dream you know meant for our sport and like the eyeballs that it drew onto the sport um and so uh but i mean that was probably the one event as a kid that you know i look forward to the most every year on tv or just being able to sit down with my family with my parents and 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 watch that even though it, uh, you know, didn't go on much, much longer uh, past, I don't know, 2010-ish. I don't really quite recall uh, the last year that it ran, but um, that was my introducing to Eldora. My first time at the track was 2021 Kings Royal with the sprint cars, and so um my first late model race at eldora was actually the million last year so um quite the way to get introduced yeah. there in person oh, to late models at eldora so i would have never thought that that my first ever late model race at eldora would be the million but um but yeah you know that's that's just kind of my entryway and and um into eldora and i've only been there think three times if you include the Kings Royal and then the million last year and then the world too. So, um, so yeah, I've um, it's, it's, it is everything that I had pictured and imagined, you know, uh, walking into that uh, facility there for the first time in 2021. And, 
it's just like uh i've only been there three times but it it seems like that place will never get old right you know you go to racetracks across the country and not that things get stale or like monotonous or you just get too familiar with a facility but i just feel like eldora like the charm of it will never really go away um it's almost like you're walking into that facility for the first time almost every time you know it's just the charm and the hype and the energy and there's just something about eldora that's completely different um on the sprint car side of things and a late model side of things too so um yeah it's i haven't been going there long but it, it's it's met all of my expectations as a child you know Kovac, uh, did Eldora have like this mystique when you were younger or were you more like a teenager when you heard about the Big E? Uh, the big blocks have been there a few times, but I don't think historically they've been there that many, you know, that often. So I don't know. Did you hear about it when you were really young is the first question. Well, yeah, I did. I'm, uh, I, I remember probably the first time I, I could start uh, knowing what Eldora was, was reading Airy Auto Racing News, the paper. I was uh, I started get I started going to races in 1982 when I was nine, you know, just in New Jersey, big block races. And then 1984 was when I started getting subscription to Area Auto Race News, and that kind of opened it up, you know. I mean, I think I picked up a couple copies at the track before, and then you're like, you look at this newspaper, and you're like, man, there's a lot more than just here in my neck of the woods, you know. And uh, again, I, I wasn't late model. I did I didn't really know the late models, and late models in the Northeast were not the biggest thing. Late miles at my track, Flemington Speedway, they were called late miles, but they were street stocks. I, I've said that before. And so I thought that's what all late models were. I didn't realize this was this huge race at Eldora. Really how I knew about Eldora was from the King's Royal, the sprint cars, because sprint cars were still, uh, I mean, I saw a lot of them in the racing paper and, and wanted to go to Williams Grove and those tracks out in central PA. Uh, so <clears throat> I remember like in 1986, this was like when really – I mean, Eldora opened up, uh, you know, to me was when Don Kreitz Jr. of Pennsylvania, Central Pennsylvania, you know, a, a regular just in Central PA. He goes out to Eldora and wins the third Kings Royal for $50,000. Uh, and that was, I mean, it was huge money then. I mean, nobody was, was many, I don't think there was any other $50,000 win races. I'm not even sure if Knoxville was paying that for sprint cars then. Uh, and, and then this guy that I knew, I'd seen him run a URC sprint car in the area at fly at my home track flemington and so i'm like man oh that looks like he won a big deal out there that's pretty cool and and then two years later is when we uh you know i'm like we have to go there someday i i wanted racing i wanted to see racing at eldora because i kept then i would be more and more interested i was at 1986 i was 13 so uh and i've read more and more about it and I'm like this is the place we got to go and couple years later we did we can get into that more uh you know and uh, after we hear from Derek about how he's how we kind of heard about Eldora oh I mean just for my dad and all the people growing up in Chatsworth uh which is like 10 miles east of Fairbury him and his buddies I think my dad's probably missed like one or two if that uh he actually Snooky Dame the you know, first ever Prairie Dirt Classic winner won a non-qualifier race there on a Friday at Eldora so they always make that claim to fame you know if you didn't make the top 120 the other you know 85 to 100 cars would race friday night at like three in the morning the sun would be almost up racing kind of a non-qualifying feature and i just remember dad would go out there in september and i'm just begging and begging when i'm six and seven years old because i've been going to races for a while at that point he was like you gotta you gotta wait until you're 10 
So I had to wait until 1999 to go to my first one. Uh, and then obviously just from hearing it from my dad, uh, for him going on the websites and, you know, checking the guy who's live up day in, calling the Eldora Speedway and they give you who won the race or whatever. Like they did a whole bunch of stuff there, but yeah, I really just heard it from word of mouth, just from people in my area. Like my dad would go all the time there. and You just hear stories of them probably when mini sludge was in his low thirties, like I am now having a good time out there. So, uh, you know, he's getting a little rowdy with his friends. I remember like one story he said, you know, cause the facility wasn't as nice as it was that he's storms are coming. He's running back to the campground. All of a sudden there's just so many people out like about, you know, trying to get to seek shelter. I'm sure the campers weren't very great then too in the eighties. He got into a porta potty and locked himself in there. There was people knocking on the door trying to get in there because it was pouring down rain and a storm was coming. So that was always a good one. But yeah, I just heard it from my dad. Uh, yeah, like I said, mine was in 1999 when I was 10. I'll talk about my first experience. But Robert, will let you go first. What year was it? How old were you? And just kind of what were the highlights of your first pop in the cherry at the Big E? Uh, my first race to go to Eldor was 91. Um, I think Moyer won it that year, I do believe. Is that correct? Moyer and Moran won it so many times when I went, when I first started going, that's like I didn't think anyone else was ever going to win. So, yeah, Moyer won it there in 91, uh, the very first time I went. So um, I went by myself, which was, you know, really odd, I guess. Um, I was in college, and – you know, nobody wanted to go. I, I was living a couple hours from home and, um, I, I think we were, I don't know if we were still racing at that time or not, but if we were, you know, we, we raced on Saturday night weekly. So, you know, we never were going to go to that place as long as I was there at the house, you know, at home. So it was, uh, I, I was living in Cookville and, I knew that the race was coming up and I just like, I'm going to go. I didn't have much money. I had enough money for, I've told the story, I think on here before I had enough money for one night in a hotel. So I go up on Friday night. I was driving this old four door raggedy car that I'd had. I'd wrecked my truck uh, the summer before and, and didn't really have enough money to buy a decent car. And I was driving this $800 car and a four door is a Bonneville, Pontiac Bonneville, actually. So I drive this car up there. I uh, spend the night. I got one hotel room and uh, for one night. And that was Friday night because I wanted to go, you know, you wanted to take it all in. I didn't want to just go to the Saturday race. I wanted to go to the qualifying and all that stuff. And so I go up there by myself. I got me a ticket, sat right there in the main grandstands um watched all the qualifying and it was just you know when you when you're coming down the the two lane there from the south and you you top that little little bitty ridge and you see now what i look for is like the cell phone tower that's the first thing you see you know when you're coming up through there's a cell tower but you know of course no cell tower there then so the first thing you see when you top that little ridge is all the campers and it's just um, a sea of campers, and it's incredible, you know, to see that. The The only place I'd ever been to that rivaled a scene like that was Talladega, which if you've ever been to Talladega, um, uh, back in its heyday especially, Talladega is uh, – Talladega definitely trumps the World 100 in terms of 
the campers and the madness, but, but the world 100 and the sea of campers, that's all that that's Talladega is the only thing I'd ever seen that ever rivaled that. So it was kind of magnificent, you know, I'd never been to Ohio before. So it was my, not only is it my first time at the world 100 is my first time in Ohio. And I remember some little podunk town I'd come to about, you know, an hour from Eldora and I pulled over and used a pay phone and I called home just to let up people. I didn't even tell anybody where I'd gone just to tell my mom. I'm like, Hey, guess where I'm at? You know, I'm in, I'm in Ohio. And she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to the world 100. And she's like, okay, be careful. And that's pretty much it. You know, I went on to watch the race, uh, more your one. I spent the night Friday night in hotel, uh, more your one on Saturday night. And I headed back home. And uh, like I know I've related this story before, but uh, I got to rest the first rest area south of Cincinnati and pulled in there and spent the night in my car, slept in my car that night. Uh, like I said, I didn't have much money. I, I took like, took snacks, couldn't afford to, I didn't buy anything at the concession stands. I couldn't afford it. Um, I think I carried like a couple bananas and some wheat thins and a couple Sprites or Cokes, you know. Uh, it was very low key for me, but it was incredible. And what sucks is that you go back home and there's no one to relate it to. Uh, none of my friends were into dirt racing. Uh, my best friend went with us to the races several times, but he wasn't, you know, into, into my, none of my college friends were into it. Uh, I think my girlfriend would probably be the closest person I could relate it to. And I, of course I told my family and they, they got it, but, but it was really weird because I got back to Cookville. And it was just like, you know, I was just gone for a couple of days. Nobody, I don't even, nobody probably even missed me. Uh, so it was really a low key trip. Um, fun, you know, for me personally, I looked at it like I definitely want to go back there and I definitely want to take somebody back there, whether it be my girlfriend or uh, my brother or somebody, they've got to see this. And, and, and I honestly, I feel that way now when I go to a lot of places that I've never been before, I've texted my brother, my dude, you should see this, you know? And that's the kind of the same way I was with Eldora. I went back home and to the one or two people that I knew would actually get it. I'm like, gosh, you got to, you should have seen that like 200 cars and, and all these races and all the people. And it was just, it was incredible, you know? So, um, that was my first trip and, you know, I went back the next year. Uh, and like I said, before we started the show here, I've, I have a list of every year I've been, but it's very sporadic. I didn't go like straight through. I've been like just hit and miss here and there because of job commitments and stuff like that. But, you know, you never forget that first time, right? No, that's what they say. It's an old saying for a lot of things, Robert Holman. You never forget the that's first. Uh, 1991 World 100, Billy Moyer, Freddie Smith, Audie McWilliams, Ronnie Johnson, and Jim Curry, your top five. Uh, 180 cars there. Bob Pierce led the first 16 laps before Moyer overtook the lead there. Um, let's see. Kyle, you said 2022 was your first uh, race, late model race at Eldora. was the Eldora Million. Um, but just you can talk about that a little bit, but also your first time when you went to the Kings Royal the, you know, the year before. Yeah, that's actually a funny story, too. Um something a little offbeat. So at the time, back in 2021, I was working full time at Wegmans grocery store, uh, or just the supermarket. Uh, it's a, those who aren't like familiar with Wegmans, you know, it's a, it, it's a big, 
it's big up in the Northeast. And so I'm sure Kovacs very familiar with Wegmans and, and like whatnot, but I was a dairy stocker at Wegmans and, um, I would get off on the weekends usually and, um, freelance at the time for speed sport. And, um, you know, that's how I got involved in the Pennsylvania sprint car scene. Cause that was really easy for me to just get off on the weekends and go cover sprint car racing and, uh, you know, trying to make it in this sport. <clears throat> and so I remember that year back in 2021, um, you know, the Kings Royal that year, they were going to have two Kings Royals, just like they had the dream, uh, because of the obvious makeup there for COVID and the year before that. But I believe the feature was that Friday night, the, the first or Thursday, I forget. But just like anyways, that week, it ended up having to wear like the Thursday, Friday prelims feature, like they were rained out. So that meant that they were going to run two Kings Royals in one day on Saturday. And like, I'll never forget, just like that Friday, I was literally in Maryland working at the grocery store. I got the news and I'm like, you know, like I had a shift that Saturday and, but I traded my shift with somebody or somebody there at the store took my shift so I could get off, drive through the night, six hours to Ohio, spent the night with a friend who lived like an hour away from the track. Um, and ended up going there for the day. My first time, two Kings Royals in one day. Um, that was a long day, but a very good day too. And um, Tyler Courtney, you know, he's made some late model appearances uh, last year. Uh, he won the first Kings Royal uh, in in the daylight. And then that night, uh, Kyle Larson came back from crashing um, earlier that day, like the car was completely junk. He had wrecked it out of the first Kings Royal, didn't even make the features crew thrashed through the day, but put back the same car. And uh, he started mid pack that night. Um, and the second King Kings Royal feature didn't even have a good heat race, didn't even qualify. Well, he came from like 10th or 12th there to win the Kings Royal that night. And, uh, you know, it, it was just, um, you know, <clears throat> so that that was my first experience at Eldora. Um, yeah, so, you know, I'm looking back, I'm glad that I was able to pull that off. And, um, you know, just to be able to experience that and, you know, two, two big wins for guys who have had seat time in the late models too. So, uh, yeah, that was Kyle Larson's first uh king's royal win and then tyler courtney it, that was his first full sprint car season that year too so and uh you know a rookie winning a crown jewel in any sport and any form of motorsports is almost unheard of you know garrett garrett smith did it last year in the dirt track world championship and tyler courtney is obviously no rookie but in terms of the wing sprint cars that year that that was his first year so uh yeah just a lot going on there that day and uh, turned out to be a good one. Oh yeah. And how's the King's Royal atmosphere compared to like the world? 
Everybody like kind of argues about that really quick, just like ten seconds. The world, the world's atmosphere trumps the king's royal atmosphere, I'd say, and um, you know, and that that comes from a guy who experienced two king's royals in one day at his first. That that being my first trip to Eldora, so world, world, the world one hundred, I'd say, you know, tops that. Heck yeah, late models till we die. Uh, Kevin Kovac, your first time. Uh, when did you go hang out in the Love Tunnel and see some ladies and stuff like that? I didn't go in the pits my first time, so I didn't go through the Love Tunnel. But it was 1988. I was 15. Uh, my father and another uh, this our friend that we went to the races with, Joey uh, from uh, from New Jersey. We all three of us went together. Uh, out there for it and uh for the king's royal it was not the i mean 88 would have been a cool year to see the world 100 yeah, with, I uh, with scott bloomquist i wish i would have known about i wish i would have really been into the late models at that year and picked the late model world 100 to go to eldor for the first time but uh we went to the king's royal which um was i think that was it's uh what fifth year or something like that and uh we sat over there and turned four in the grandstand and like right on the edge of the, of the covered grandstand. Uh, I remember it being very dusty. I know that man. I mean, the dust was like sandblasting kind of dust that was hitting me there, but, uh, that was all right. It was cool. It was big crowd. Um, I can remember that crowd going crazy when Jeff Gordon won a heat race. He went on a number. I don't know whose car it was number six car. I can still remember. And, uh, and this, I think he was only about 16 or 17 at that point. And it was like, you know, the, you know, the Indiana boy, not far away, uh, winning this heat and no, and, and the crowd went crazy when, when he won it. I was the first, my first, uh, um, time that I really, uh, you know, noticed, uh, this Jeff Gordon character. And, um, and I was also, that was, it was, it was a great ex- experience just to go in there and see that racetrack. I'd, I'd never seen, I mean, that, that high, the high banks. And, and I've always said, like, you go in there and it's like going into a stadium because you don't see it from the road. You kind of have to right. go inside uh, to, to see the track. Um, really impressive. Uh, and it was, un- unfortunately, that was, I, it was, uh, I remember that for un- a bad reason, too. It was because uh, that was the year that Brad Doty uh, had a crash early in the race and he got hit in turn two and, uh, and it was a long red flag, and that was when he was paralyzed. It was his last race of his career, um, and, and first time I was there. So I, I remember that race more for that than, than Steve Kinzer actually won it. Uh, we went back the next year in '89 also because we liked it. We had a good time, and uh, and, and I was, that's the race I remember because of uh, Kenny Jacobs was driving the Wiker uh, livestock car that year, and he went out of the ballpark in turn one and two. Uh, there wasn't, there was no big, uh, big screen there. You know, I think he would have landed kind of where the big screen behind that now is, uh, it wasn't terraced off like it is now with grandstands over there. It was just some campers up on the hillside there, man. He rolled out there wasn't even a catch fence there. He went right outside of the ballpark, went down oh. the hill, car caught on fire. And, and I, and I can still recall my 16 year old self. This was my first, I just started writing too for every auto racing news, like three weeks before that. Although I didn't write about the Kings Royal cause we had already had that plan before I started. And I ran all the way around to turn two, just to see this car, uh, sitting there in the, in the grass and on fire. And fortunately Kenny Jacobs got out of it, but man, that was one heck of a wreck. And, 
Um, and, and I'll never forget that was my second time there. So I got sprint car racing. That's how I started out oh, going out the uh, So, I mean, that, that's just the way it was. But then now I've got other first two. I mean, the first time I went to a late model race was the 2001 Eldora Million. I covered that uh, for every auto race news. So I, I, I did have a, a first time late model. And then the next year I, I saw I had a first time there for a big block modified race. Uh, in September of 2002 was the first time that the big block super dirt car series ran there. Uh, also, that was a Johnny Appleseed classic. So I saw the late models also that day. And, uh, and that was uh, also Tim McCready's first ever late model start when he jumped in one of the sweeteners plus cars uh, and, and didn't qualify for the, Johnny Appleseed Classic, but he pulled double duty that day and, and, and did that. I also seen wingless sprint cars. I, I've seen a lot of different divisions there at Eldora. Ah, and, uh, I've seen the, yeah, in the 2003, I covered the Mopar Million uh, when the wingless sprint car million dollar version. I mean, it was 200,000 to win million dollar purse. Jack Hardenshield won the race and, and I covered that also. And and that, that was a year that I made, I, I just looked back at this. I'm like, man, I went two weeks in a row at Eldora. I went there, drove all the way back home. For the, from the Mopar Million, went back the next week because the big blocks were there for another Super Dirt Series race with the Johnny Appleseed Classic. So, uh, and, and now ever since then, World 100 was the first time in 2004. And, uh, and, and since 2006, dream? I've made every world. Every world and dream since two, every every world since 2006, every dream since uh, 2007. Uh, uh, I started out uh, with the World of Outlaws dirt car right, uh, doing the PR right after the dream of 2006. So, uh, then I started going there in 2007. A lot, lot of memories, obviously, at Eldora. Like, there's a lot of, a uh, lot of rain delays, a lot of all kinds of stuff that's happened there. Oh my there, gosh! But, Don't um, ever say rain delay at Eldora. Yep, that's been a lot. I can imagine. Like, bottle up all that time that I've spent at Eldora, sitting in rain delays, and it. it, it might take a month of my life maybe i don't know but it's uh it's a lot i don't know like i could and i and back from the first time i ever went 1980 i could still remember my dad coming back to um to the seat and say or the car after the race so, yeah i was over there talking to that earl baltus that guy that, that that he was over there just walking around and he comes up and starts talking to all of us uh there and you know, what, what a character he was so that was the first time i'd uh i heard of earl baltus too yeah, that's uh, that's great. You get to see all the different divisions there. I'm glad you started going just late model full time at Senso Ford, and then 06 for both the Dream yeah. and the World. So finally, finally got smart there. Obviously, you got the CDs. Yeah, it's been a while since I saw a sprint car race. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 90, uh, I think I said 96. I saw Johnny Herrera win the Kings Royal there. I did cover that, but I think that's the last time uh, for a wing sprint car race. Yeah, we. Uh, my first one was 99. Obviously, I finally turned 10. Uh, I remember my dad getting me out of school at lunch on Thursday and uh, got Dairy Queen. I can still remember it. We drove in a camper with my bu dad's buddies. There was like one or two younger kids. They might have been a little older. Get there. Of course, you're you, middle of nowhere, like you guys said. It's like a stadium. A lot less rules, though, too, I think, in 1999 than there is today. I think you could like, drive your golf cart pretty much anywhere back then. <laughs> Uh, so qualifying, I think I fell asleep during qualifying, woke up to watch pre, you know, the non-qualifiers and Saturday shows up heat race. Number one, first time ever there. Who do you think Kovac wins heat race? Number one there. Uh, probably some Weaver fever was going on there. He I did, guess. Yes. One heat race. Number one. So, you know, I'm fired up starting six in the feature. Uh, 
Bob Pierce was hot that summer. He won the North South, won the Prairie Dirt Classic the week before. He's leading the race, and then he kind of has like his left front tire piece of sheet mail kind of like stuck out a little bit and slowed him down, I think, a little less arrow than the other guys. I think Weaver was running like second or third, got a flat tire, so, you know, I'm pissed off, yada, 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 crying probably at that point. I mean, I'm a young swab, you know, can't control my emotions yet, Robert. Then, of course, Steve Francis, the Kentucky Colonel, he wins uh, his only World 100. And so I always tell, you know, Francis, hey, man, that was good luck for you. First time I ever went to Eldor, laid eyes on it. You got the win there. Uh, he still thinks he was going to be past Bob Pierce, but if you ask like Michael Rigsby in the land of Lincoln clan, because obviously at the time, no Illinois driver had won at that point. So they were all, all pissed off there. Uh, and then I think the next year, actually, uh, 2000, Kevin Weaver was on the front row of a heat race and something happened where the guy behind him started and kind of spun out Weaver. Well, they sent Weaver to the back, and I kid you not, this place got showered with debris of beer cans, hot dog, you know, wrappers. Everybody's throwing stuff on the racetrack, booing, cussing, and, you know, that they, they call it the Weaver rule now. I think that they get a, ever since that year, they got a restart on, the, you know, the opening lap. But, yeah, some guys spun them out there before they even got to the checker or the flag stand. And, um, you know, people weren't – they had the displeasure there. So, we've got that kind of rule thing there. But, uh, yeah, first Dirt Lay Model Dream for me wasn't even until I started at Dirt on Dirt in 2013. I think uh, – I can't even remember who won, honestly. Do you know – I can't remember the top of my head. That was during work times. Let's see here. Do you remember Kovac who won in 2013? All I know is you and Sexy Rexy in the press box were hanging out. The 2013 dream. Oh, she Scott Bloomquist won the crotch chop 10 years later. There we go. So there, you know, those are some of my first and great memories there, but all in all biggies, a fun time. We're going to be there for the dirt late model dream. Some people were there for the castle race. Uh, then we have the world 100. Now we have the dirt track world championship. So it's kind of crazy how much Eldor has evolved over the years. Like Todd Turner said in the video cast this week, you only got one hot lap session twice a year, and then you go in the, and then you qualified. And if you stunk at qualifying, you might not even be in the top 120. So it was a lot harder back then, I feel like, to win the race there. So when you have Donnie Moran, uh, Billy Moyer, and Scott Bluquist win all those years, that's pretty impressive in itself. But uh, can't wait to a lot, go. A lot of different things, a lot, a lot of differences in the place where the place looks too, Derek. I mean, oh, back then, yeah. you know, back in the 1990s and stuff, still two thousand, even up into the 2000s, I think there was only one one stall in the bathroom in the in the pit area right <laughs> yeah so i think that was it i don't think it had a door you know i think you just had to you, you had to you had to go you had to go i guess but man it wasn't nobody wanted to go in there then <laughs> he got the sweet one, one of the things that one of the things that stood out to me early on was and this is one of the the keys to getting my girlfriend to go was that they had a bar that you could go, yep. you know, I could go up and get mixed drinks and bring it back and we could sit there and drink. That was like, you know, and I was in 91, I was 21. So, you know, so when the first time she went with me in like 94, you know, I'm like, hey, they got a bar, you know. And so that was that was cool to her, you know, because she was she, she enjoyed it. You know, it was an excellent selling water? point. Do you have any toilet water no, at all? No, 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 it was whiskey and Coke, man. Jack and oh, Coke like or, well, you know. 
a lot of great memories at the Big E, and hopefully we can make some good ones this coming weekend as we'll be live and flow racing. We'll have plenty of content as well. But before we let you guys go, one more thing, and we'll let Robert go first. Okay, I just wanted to uh, to actually I don't give shout outs much on this show to fans, but uh, I was approached by a fan at uh, at a fan of the show, I should say, at uh, Clarksville last Tuesday night. We went up there and I covered that uh, that ultimate race, and we raced as well. And so, uh, so a gentleman uh, stopped to chat with me. His name is Robert. I'm gonna hope I say this last name right and don't butcher it. It's Robert C H I T T Y. I assume that's uh, Chitty, Robert Chitty, and so or Chitty. Uh, he's from Illinois. He's uh, one of your homies, uh, Derek, and uh, he gave me a piece of paper that he he has put a lot of thought into his um, his idea of what would be the the perfect uh, dirt car summer national schedule. You know, and uh, it's 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 well thought out. I looked at it, and uh, and uh, I think that, and I think one of his keys was the travel. And it's kind of like we've talked a lot about. You know, we're zip been back and forth, zigzagging all over the state of Illinois in the Midwest during this dirt car summer nationals uh, schedule. We'll drive by one track and and then go to another track, and then a day later have to two days later have to come back to a track we just drove past, and so. Uh, so and and we talked about it and of course that doesn't always work because you know you have some tracks that always want a friday night or always want a saturday night or can't afford the bigger purse and have to have a week night you know so it uh it doesn't always work out like uh like he drew it up but i wish it did but uh, it was nice to to meet him and uh, i just was gonna say that anytime that i'm terrible with names i i remember his name because he actually wrote it down for me uh on this piece of paper so if uh, if you are a fan of of the podcast or just dirt on dirt in general, and you want to to meet, uh, speak I should say speak uh, to me, I, I welcome that. But uh, I am terrible with names, so please tell me your name. I'm not only terrible with names; I'm terrible with asking what your name is. So uh, uh, so yeah, you know, give us a fist bump, give us a handshake, tell us your name. Uh, we like to hear that uh, that people actually listen and watch this program for sure. So that is my one more thing. Shout out to him. Maybe he can him and Sam Driggers can hang out and get the schedule dialed in for uh, twenty twenty four. Oh uh, my! I'm gonna go next because I think maybe somebody might take it. I, I mean, could we get our fifth mile smile back on, boys? At the wooden, you know, the wood fence down there in St. Louis got a fourteen million dollar the fairgrounds there at Belclair Speedway. Um, got a $14 million COVID-19 relief fund uh, there in Belleville, Illinois. Of course, that place hasn't raced since 2019, uh, the Belclair Fairgrounds and Expo Center. And, I mean, if we can have a summer nationals race at that fifth mile bull ring one more time, I would be very happy for it. And it's also great to see racetracks uh, get reopened. So hopefully they can get that thing uh, dialed in and make, you know, make some improvements to that track because that's – Good chunk of chains that they can improve on those fairgrounds. So maybe, just maybe next year, we can have some racing back at Belclair. But I thought that was a great storyline. And also, quick, quick, quick shout-out to Gordy Gundaker. He's a dad now. Because their beautiful baby girl was born yesterday. Him and his uh, girlfriend, Savannah, had their first child together. And uh, kudos to Gordy. Perfect timing, I guess. You know, the Allos don't race for a few weeks here. So you can get, 
you know, dad, dad life acclimated and uh, have some fun with his new baby girl there. So shout out to Gordy Gundaker. Kyle McFadden, how about you? Yeah, this um, Friday starts the Appalachian Mountain Speed Week return, and that's eight races and 11 days across mostly racetracks in Pennsylvania. There's one race there in Maryland at, at Hagerstown on Sunday. It starts off with Clint, Clinton County on Friday and then Port Royal on Saturday and then Hagerstown on Sunday, Path Valley that following Tuesday, and then Bedford that following Thursday, Friday, and then Lincoln, and then Sealands Grove that weekend after that. So I'll be at all of them, all eight races in 11 days. Don't forget about me while you guys are at the dream. And so, but I'm really looking forward to that and what Jim uh, Bernheisel has there for uh, the return of the Appy Mountain Speed Week. And um, all the races too are going to be um, live streamed on Flow. So uh, make sure you uh, check those races out, especially the ones, uh, you know, that don't overlap, um, with the dream and, and, um, just any of the other, uh, midweek races also. So, uh, that's where I will be at, uh, those next 11 days or those, uh, eight, eight races in 11 days. So, um, make sure to check out the coverage on, uh, Dirt on Dirt. Yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, glad they're finally bringing AMS back to the Pennsylvania area. You know, it's been, I think, almost a decade since they last ran it. They'll start off at Clinton County on June 9th and then head to Port Royal for five grand there on June 10th. Uh, Kevin Kovac, batting cleanup, buddy. What do you got for us? I wanted to make one more comment about that. Those Kyle Bronson, Brian Shirley battles over the weekend. Uh, uh, I thought that was pretty cool that those, I mean, they really went at it two nights in a row, uh, for the wins. And, and those are two, they're, they're really two good buddies. I mean, they, back in December, uh, Shirley and, and, uh, Bronson and his, uh, and their wives and then Tyler Herb and, and, and Mark Whitener, uh, all those four, they went to Key West and they were parting it up. I mean, they got all in all kinds of hijinks there for several days, um, uh having fun there together and i mean i remember seeing all these pictures and i've talked to them about it they 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 really enjoyed themselves and and now i guess they have some more stuff to talk about on their next uh trip their next uh next vacation that they take together uh it'll be pretty cool when they can sit back after the season and and talk about you know racing for wins uh you know on the world of outlaws tour and each of them getting one to finish in second. I mean, it would be, I guess it would be different if, uh, if, uh, you know, Bronson got the win on Friday and Friday and, and then, uh, Shirley had to settle for second and he never beat him. You know, the next day comes right back and they switch. thought that was a pretty neat little, uh, uh, deal this weekend. And you love photos of drivers, you know, on their vacations, Kovac. That's like one of your favorite things when you see them or like a family picture, you love it. <laughs> I love those things. It's just like you're not used to seeing it, especially when like they're on those cruises and they take those posed shots, you know, and everyone's like they're sort of dressed up a little bit, going to dinner and all. And, uh, I, I, I just like, man, that's a that's not the you don't see them like that. It's like they're yeah, they're normal people, too, I guess. Usually you just see them in their uniform. So I always, I always enjoy seeing those shots. Yeah, fun uh, over the weekend there at Tri-City and Paducah. Those guys duking it out. Four victories with Kyle Bronson and Brian Shirley. But it doesn't matter 
All eyes are on Eldora Speedway in Rossburger, Ohio for the 29th annual Dirt Late Model Dream. Kevin Kovac will be on the grounds. I think the Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer, Todd Turner will be there as well. And then, of course, uh, Robert Hall will be doing live updates from home. But nonetheless, it's going to be a great, fun time there at Eldora. Only three days. We're looking forward to it. Live at Flow Racing, every single lap. Content galore on both Flow and DirtOnDirt.com. Be sure to check out these articles by these beautiful and great writers of Robert Holman, Kyle McFadden, Kevin Kovac. I'm Derek Kessinger. Thank you for watching The Dirt Reporters.